Hi, my name is Ed Kozell, and welcome to Conversations with Calistoga, a periodic set of podcasts covering events, topics, and people relevant to our community. Topography, geography, and economics leave our town a bit isolated, so hopefully this series will add some color to our landscape and substance to some of our discussions. The hope is that this series takes form and critical mass over the next months and weaves itself into the fabric of our extended community. I'd love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and comments. Send them to Calistoga Conversations, one word, at gmail.com. Again, that's Calistoga Conversations at gmail.com. Hi, good morning. Uh, I'm here today with Kevin Eisenberg, a longtime resident of Calistoga. Anybody who's had a school child in the Calistoga School District uh, in the last 30 years probably knows and has met him. But for those who haven't, uh, Kevin, tell me a bit about yourself. Well, I moved to Calistoga 30 years ago looking for a great place to rear my children, found Calistoga, and it was a great match right from the beginning. Loved Calistoga Elementary and then moved to Calistoga Junior Senior High School, which was a great experience, and uh, I enjoy the environment in Calistoga so much. Tell us three things most people in Calistoga still don't know about you. Well... I met Mary because I was dating her best friend. We broke up and I guess Mary moved in. Um, No, it was mutual. And uh, a lot of you know that I don't move my neck, but what you don't may not know is that it was the result of a 16 year old driving an Austin Healey Sprite bug eyes sort of like a motorcycle with four wheels, and I flipped it over on my head. Mm-hmm. Well, that's two things. Uh, what's a third thing of interest? Those are both interesting. I like to, maybe we should, we, you could tell us more about Mary and the girlfriend, but <laughs> let's, let's move on to a third topic. Uh, my first real earthquake was in Los Angeles, and it was the same evening that I saw the exorcist, and the bed started shaking, and... That was a frightening experience for a a young person who's easily impressionable. How old were you then? What year was that? I probably Late was 60s? 16. Yeah. I think I was 16. Yeah. Huh. Still young enough to be scared. I remember the head spinning around on that movie. That was impressionable. Okay. Many but not all Calistogans know that you and Mary live in the Palisades development. Um, tell us a, you know, about that neighborhood, and, and do you think that project with its special history could ever be repeated again in Calistoga? First, it, was a, it is a wonderful project. It was a mixture of market value and subsidized homes, and it attracted people who lived and worked in Calistoga, And it turned into just this greatest neighborhood, um, multicultural, positive. Everyone there has pride of ownership. And we're right now coming up to the 30-year mark when the subsidized homes have their second mortgage completely relieved. And it's uh, it's a joyous time. And uh, it's worked out as a great neighborhood. Yes, I do believe it can be 
repeated, not with the same kind of footprint. We don't quite have uh, the large space available to do that, but a smaller footprint, the same homes with smaller footprints, the same idea, ownership, mixed market value, subsidized for the people who live and work in Calistoga. Is that something you would strive for if you're elected to office? It's been one of my campaign platforms, and I've referenced that particular project as uh, an ideal. Mm-hmm. You've trans- you've campaigned on the in- increased transparency between city government and the residents. What does that mean to you, and what do you think that means to most residents, the word transparency? That the residents know what the city council is doing, know what our government is doing, and also to understand the kinds of negotiations and the kinds of of trade-offs and um, studies that go to make up what the city council, what our local government does. And I don't believe that there is any kind of purposeful mudding of what we do. It just takes a real effort to share with the residents how government works. And one of the things that has to be done is to share on a more broad base. That is, each of the council people has a constituency, people they know. What I don't see happening is a truly broad-based outreach to the community as a whole. We miss the Latino community. We miss um, many in the mobile home parks. We miss people that aren't close to the individuals. And I I could see using a multifaceted approach of com- uh, community surveys, presence at community events, specific forums set up in local gathering places, the park, um, to really share what's going on, and even more importantly, to allow people to ask questions and to get real answers. Mm. Do you think the city's at an inflection point? You know, a, a time of significant change, a, a turning point, and and this is a kind of a multi-part question. I'd like you to speak about, you know, our communications, which you just touched on. But as everybody knows, our, our paper uh, is, you know, our publisher of our paper is retiring and the paper itself may well retire. Most people in town are familiar with the fairgrounds, which is remains a very uncertain topic, although the price tag is beginning to become a little more clear. Infrastructure in town, water, power, these are you know, the price of water, the, the consistency and availability of power. Uh, and then finally, uh, uh, demographics and culture, you know, is there's quite a bit has changed in the last 30 years or 50 years, depending on how long you've lived here. And then our political leadership is about to change. We've had sent one mayor for 10 years and, and that too will change. Is, do you think this, this will be, this next couple of years will be significantly different than the previous few years? I do, but I also recognize that 
every period in history, the people who are living through it think it is a period of change, that it is an inflection point. I feel it right now, but that's because I'm probably more involved in what's going on in the city than ever before. So, yes, losing a newspaper from having two newspapers to going to zero is would be a serious problem. I am totally supportive of uh, the people involved trying to find a way to save a newspaper. That, even if everyone doesn't read it, it is still a common area of information. And we need that. And it, there's research that shows that cities that don't have newspapers um, tend to have more corruption. Not that I think Calistoga is subject to it, but I, I, I'm concerned. The fairgrounds, of course, this is something that will affect everybody in town. If we buy the fairgrounds, significant cost to the citizens, significant benefits also because the fairgrounds would return as a recreational facility. If we don't buy the fairgrounds, so many things are possible. Yes, we could renegotiate, or the county holds on to it. They wait for state laws to allow them to overturn um, our zoning, and it becomes a developed parcel. Certainly a possibility. It will change Calistoga if we lose the fairgrounds forever. And we feel like this is a... Uh, a huge piece. I mean, those of us who are supportive of the purchase of the fairgrounds, I, I feel like it is, even with the cost, it is an opportunity that we have to take advantage of. Infrastructure. I'd like, if, I'd like you to speak about infrastructure because most people know that we live in a subscale town. I mean, you know, we the fixed costs are significant for and can only be spread among a small number of citizens. And we, we see streets that never seem to get paved or repaired. We know well that a lot of the underground infrastructure is very, very old, some of it over 100 years old. Um, how do we, and how would you, how do we as a community and how would you as a member of the city council step up to that? It, it seems like it's everyone knows it's an issue, but a degree of honesty about the size of the problem is not um, commonly addressed. Our infrastructure needs are huge. And as I have mentioned in my campaign materials, um, the sooner one can attack infrastructure, put up the money that's needed, the more you will save down the line and the less pain you will have. But it is expensive. Um, it would be wonderful to be able to, in one fell swoop, raise millions and millions of dollars in a bond issue. But right now with the fairgrounds, the school district, I do not see an infrastructure bond as being feasible. We can only ask so much of our property owners, um, perhaps in the future, but absolutely not right now. We are putting away a portion of our general fund towards infrastructure. Um, the fees we receive from developments, a portion of that goes towards infrastructure. I would push that harder, increase the amount of discretionary money that we can put into infrastructure, 
and it might entail cutting back on some other things, but it will save money in the long run. We last thing on that is in order to keep the income to the city, we have to be absolutely supportive of the industries that pay for our city. And that's why I believe this, the city has a vested interest in making tourism successful, more successful, to bring in more money to the city to allow us to put more towards infrastructure. And then changes in the, the demographic makeup of the city. The, the, the Anglo population is undoubtedly aging. The Latino population is basically matches the Anglo population now, although with a different age makeup. Um, and, and our political leadership is changing. Can you speak to those two points? I believe the demographic changes are very much a result of our housing shortage. We are sep separating ourselves into um, a high density, uh, less affluent people. And that is somewhat um, more tended towards in the Latino community. And then in, we have a, a very, an aging affluent um, part of our community. And I, I actually, it's these socioeconomic issues more than the um, ethnic issues that I'm referring to. And I fear that we will become uh, an old folks home for the affluent. Mm -hmm. And the only way I see to solve that is to support housing for the middle class, for the people who work in Calistoga, who make Calistoga what it is. When I first arrived here, almost all the teachers lived in Calistoga. Your um, policeman might be your next door neighbor. Your firemen lived down the street. City workers lived in town. This is not happening anymore. And I, I truly believe housing is the way to s at least start repairing some of this. One of the comments at one of the recent city council meetings about the fairgrounds was cited frequently afterwards as, as capturing the spirit, the essence of what many people in town feel. I think that comment was, well, of course I support the acquisition of the fairgrounds, but I don't want to pay for it. And does I mean, if, if you are elected to city council, clearly one of the challenges will be how do you convince people to pay, whether it's viewed as an investment or, or, or a payment in local teachers, you know, local workforce, that it, it, it involves a cost in one way or another. How would you reach out to the community and try and engage them in that discussion? Well, I guess it would be an extension of my campaign, uh, which is talking to as many people as possible, um, sharing the alternatives, the real alternatives. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could buy the fairgrounds or not buy the fairgrounds. If we buy the fairgrounds, it's definitely going to be a recreational facility available for the people of Calistoga. We don't buy it. Um, most likely, it will eventually get developed. 
because the county will eventually be able to weigh us, wait us out and it will have extreme valuable value to the county as a developed piece of property. It's, it is a difficult task because pretty much everyone thinks I like the amenity I don't want to pay for. And it doesn't matter whether it's streets or water. That's human nature. Mm -hmm. But we have to develop this greater collective consciousness um, in our town that, yes, this sacrifice, this, and as our council puts it, this investment will have great benefit for us. And we'll find out in March whether or not we're successful. Perhaps this is just a segue to this discussion, but the next thing I wanted to ask you about was how do we increase resident or, you know, citizen participation in our local affairs? You know, with two years of the pandemic and and, uh, fires and, and, and disasters, it just seems like uh, you know, we've we've been absorbed in survival, and and not at all. Uh, there's been almost no, um, you know, uh, community, real community participation. This fairgrounds a ballot measure would probably provide the first real opportunity for that. But how will that happen? How do you see that happening? As I said earlier, I'm looking at this as sort of an extension of the campaign. Mm-hmm. You go to where the people are. It's everybody on the council, I'm sure, quite open. If you give them a call, they'll give you the straightforward answer. Mm-hmm. But it's such a small minority of people who choose to be um, extremely proactive in that respect. And also, you get a very small section of the community. You miss out on so many people. It's the same people who go to council meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been at every council meeting this year, whether virtual or in person, the same people make comments, the same people are on Zoom, the same people come. You go to where the people are. And that's been the essence of the campaign. Go down to the mobile home parks. I go to some of the um, uh, subsidized housing um, where the less affluent live knock on doors though that's a little bit less than of what i would be doing as a as a council person and ad hoc appearances at the park where people go around the fairgrounds as i hope it's purchased and we start improving it and people come and gawk at what's going on which i do also uh one thing I learned on the campaign trail is if something's going on, like uh, there was an um, an auxiliary um, housing unit that was being dropped in the backyard of a house by a giant crane, and there must have been 50 people watching it. I took the opportunity to start campaigning, um, asking people questions. But that's the sort of thing that it, it can take, and that requires that our, our elected people, as well as staff, take advantage of any opportunity and stay 
out of an echo chamber. Go places where you're going to get alternative opinions. Don't always go for the same people that you've always contacted. If you are elected, what would be your top three priorities for your first 90 days? Settle the water rate issue. Number one. That can be settled in 90 days? 120 days. I'm optimistic. We will be getting a report on water. Mm -hmm. I will be working, assuming I'm elected, I would be um, working with staff and the, the agency preparing the report to make sure that it includes areas that I think are important, that the rest of the council thinks are important, uh, and that we're able to make a good decision. Uh, part of my campaign has been fair and equitable rates that encourage conservation. And I understand the philosophy right now of we've got to have very high fixed costs because we have the loan to pay back. Uh, we have the personnel and the materials cost of maintaining our water and sewer. And so to make sure that we get that and we're able to pay back the loans, the fixed costs are really high and the actual per gallon cost, which is variable and can't be counted on, is lower. But in this modern age of computers and spreadsheets, I think we can change the formula, and that is what I'm going to be pushing the consultants to show. If you, if you can't prove to me it can't be done, I want, I want to see it done and come up with a better plan that will still pay everything. We're not going to make water cheaper than it is right now. Well, we could if we put a lot of investment in infrastructure, but we already spoke about that. So, yes, I, I really do believe that we can make our water rate system a little bit fairer and encourage conservation. The current general plan for the city is over 10 years old. I think it's 15 years old. Um, <clears throat> a lot has changed since then. The, the, do you think the plan needs updating? Would this be something you'd like to see happen during your term in office? Yes, I think the general plan should be updated. It's should, 15 years is a long time. The general plan truly is the roadmap for the city. Every single um, proposal that comes to city council is has a reference to the general plan and what element it is dealing with in the general plan. But yes, this is a multi-year project. We don't do a general plan. Oh, let's put a new general plan in, have a couple of meetings. That's it. This, the time to start with now would be now to look into how we would want to change, how the people want. And this would be an outreach to the community that would, I believe, dwarf what the fair, the fairgrounds outreach. Uh, because we want to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the community, that we have that elusive consensus. The general plan is such a guidebook for what we do. And it's not a majority wins idea. It is what can we, what do we all want? What are the most important things in Calistoga? 
as a community, a disparate community. So speaking not as a um, uh, elected representative, but just as a person, what are, you know, name, tell me a couple of your, your greatest pleasures about living in Calistoga, but then also a couple of, of things that you'd like to see um, improve over the, you know, the next five years. Well, the greatest pleasures are really clear to me, and that is I can walk anywhere in town at any time of day or night. And while I walk, I look at trees, which has a definite well, health benefit. Well, that's because you walk with a dog, Kevin. <laughs> He's always looking for trees. Yes. Um, bicycling is available right out of my garage. And it's an enjoyable place to be. I mean, I have anxiety over some things. I worry about fire. I worry about water in this era of climate change. Well, that covers fire and water. Um, I think we're not as active in doing some basic infrastructure things. I, I look at Washington Street and think, how how is a, a town like Calistoga living with the road conditions there, as well as um, Grant Street, Myrtledale? It's in such terrible condition, and it would be such a benefit to the people who live here as well as an attraction to the tourists who pay our bills. Well, before we, we end this, is there anything uh, you, you'd like to say um, in conclusion or in summary? I truly feel part of Calistoga, and that really was the impetus for me to run for city council. Uh, I, I've known Calistoga for 30 years. I feel I have a connection to how Calistoga works. I know a huge number of people from both the Anglo, the Latino community, um, the rich, the poor. And I think I, while I don't know what everyone thinks, I think I have a, a better handle than most to be able to represent all of Calistoga. And... Well, by the time you hear this, we'll probably find out whether or not I've been elected. Um, I'm confident yet cautious. Never get overly confident with anything. Well, good. Well, thank you very much for your time this morning. I, I wish you well. And I look to see you out, out on the road on two wheels somewhere. I will be there. Okay. Thanks very much, Kevin. Okay. Thank you.